ghetto, the backyard, the yard. I sell it. What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, Abilene, El Paso, people up in Denver, Colorado, the Mile High City, people up in Lubbock. All right, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shy City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. You're tuned in here to the Friday edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing and spinning the one and twos. 877-37-GRIND is your number to participate. We are broadcasting here from the newly acquired Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, and today's show is going to be presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. 877-37-GRIND, if you know what you want to talk about, like always, it is open phone lines. The only thing we ask you to do is to call during the breaks. Be patient during the long segments and breaks, and we'll get to the phone calls accordingly. Also, keep in mind, if you need to reach out to me uh, or follow me via Twitter, you can do that at SportsGrind. And also, keep in mind, if you want to stream the show live and leave comments throughout the show, I'll read those on air in real time. If not, I'll respond to them later. All right, but you can go to the business Facebook page of SportsGrind Entertainment, or you can go to my personal page, and you can leave comments and stream the show. And like I said, if I don't respond, to him in air in real time i'll go ahead and respond to him later and also keep in mind if you ever miss any of the shows live okay you can always go to sportsgrindonline.com where you can download the podcast daily and you can also all right if you're traveling or you're in a market that doesn't carry us terrestrial all right you can also log onto the same website or we're getting pre uh, preempted by play by play in your market you can go ahead too and go to sportsgrindonline.com and click the play button listen to us live and we'll be there 87737 grind what's up mr clark ready to rock and roll all right so it's friday r&b friday um and we've got quite a bit of things to get to. Of course, we are up and running officially week one of the NFL preseason got underway last night. We're definitely going to be starting there shortly. We've got a list of games tonight and this weekend. We'll take a glance at them. There's no need to really break down, you know, preseason games, but there's things you can look for. You know, most of these coaches are not scheming. Uh, for game planning for preseason, but there is we can take a glance at the schedule, who's in, what out, what to look for. So we're going to start there shortly. Here, uh, we've got some off the field signings and news as well in the National Football League. Uh, also, we've got NBA. You know, this is Hall of Fame weekend. Um, of course, in my backyard, in the two one zero down here in San Antonio, we've got uh, Coach Pop going in. Uh, in regards to the Hall of Fame. And he kind of spoke on it a little bit. You know, he just said, of course, you know, I mean, Pop, ever since going for the all-time wins and then even this, he's always kind of tried to, you know, remain modest and humble. But, you know, he just said, hey, Hall of Fame, uh, I think of Red Arbuck. I think of Blurry Bird, Magic. That's Hall of Fame. So, in other words, translation. Pop doesn't really feel even comfortable putting himself in the Hall of Fame. He just said there's not something you think about when you're on the job in the profession. You know, you hear about it, but it's not something you think about doing it. What makes it weird is he's still active. I mean, that's the other part of it, too, that he's still active. He's never really wanted to talk about it until he was actually elected, and now he's elected. So he does have some company going in with him now. And I'm thinking, like, damn, like, you know, his presenting, introducing people are going to be Dave, Tim, Manu, and Tony. I'm like, damn, they all kind of stuff. I mean, how long is this going to take? You just got a five minutes to say something? I mean, we couldn't draw straws and just choose, I mean, probably Tim and Dave. No disrespect to Tony and Manu, but I get it. 
Uh, so that'll be inter- that takes place tomorrow, right? It's Saturday, the ceremony. Um, also, you know, D Wade's going in, and Allen Iverson is presenting him. And I'm trying to figure out what am I missing here? Is what's the connection with AI and D Wade? Have you ever heard anything? I, I mean, I might be sleeping on something. I mean, it could just be I don't know. I don't know. Did D Wade was? I mean, because AI was in the league before D Wade hit there some years. So I wonder is like AI like one of D Wade's favorite players? What's the connection with those two? Uh, from the Miami Herald this summer, uh, it's just he's one of his favorite players and biggest influences in his career. AI, mm-hmm. wow, that might that's that's got to be humbling for AI um, in regards to knowing that. I mean, they're not that far away from each other and peers. I mean, you know, I don't think so. I mean, they're not like what AI was still in the league with D Wade got in, right? Yeah, but they're well, dra- they were bad. drafted well about ten years apart, close to. AI class, yeah. AI what 97 96 draft that's still kind of I mean in a way again like there things change generationally but that's still kind of close to have to one of your years. peers so they, they shared time yeah. yeah see that's that's I mean look I'm not knocking D Wade on it I mean there could be a lot of things I can knock D Wade on but it's not going to be basically choosing AI you know to go ahead and introduce him but it's just one of those things that's kind of odd in regards to what he competitor. But, again, you know, it is what it is. Becky Hammond's going in, you know, as a player. You know, she's carving our way for a coach here pretty soon, too. But she's going into player. So you have the NBA. I've never been in a Tony. game. Tony as well. Tony. I mean, I get confused. I mean, he's Always presenting. The afterthought. He, yeah, he's presenting. And then also, yes, he's going in. But the truth of it is, you know, I've said this before, but to our um, my new affiliate, Mile High Sports, I'm not a big person on the NBA Hall of Fame. It's just like it's too cluttered in the there. Basketball the Hall basketball. of Fame. Basketball. See, they need. That's why I'm not because they need an NBA. The Basketball Hall of Fame is watered down. I mean, you're sharing things. You're sharing space in there with middle school coaches, high school coaches. I mean, it's just it's not even close. I mean, the honor, you can still say, yeah, a Hall of Famer. I get it. But the honor and the difficulty to get in is nowhere close to baseball, you know, and it's really nowhere close to NFL, even though people feel the NFL is lightening up a little bit, letting her. But I just feel that my biggest thing, the reason why I've never got excited or looked forward to this is because the NBA doesn't have their own Hall of Fame, and I think they need to. You know, that's just my opinion. But it's here, so we'll see how the ceremonies go. Also, what else do we got going on? Baseball continues to go on. You know, the Astros yesterday, they fell short, um, you know, in a rally once again. They tried to rally again and knock the Orioles off. They did, and the Orioles pretty much, you know, stood hard, stood fast. But, you know, the question that Altuve looks like he might be getting ready to heat up. You know, he's been out of the lineup for the most part this year because of injuries, and they've had some other injuries. But the truth of it is, you know, he had two home runs yesterday it looks like he's kind of starting to heat up and you wonder if that's going to help them or be a good boost to get them down the stretch we'll look at um some other important if we get time we don't run out we might run out but we'll look at some important series that are going on this weekend and also in baseball um you know this story i haven't really touched on it because again it was like okay because everybody was talking about it uh but really when you look at the the play-by-play tv announcer 
Uh, his name's Kevin Brown of the Orioles. This story will not go away. Um, I mean, this went down earlier this week, like on Monday, Tuesday. Um, they suspended. If you don't know about the story, they suspended him. The Orioles suspended him for comments in a pregame broadcast when they were playing the Toronto Blue Jays last week. And he made some comments in regards to the history of the Orioles struggling against Toronto. And that's pretty much all he said. When I heard broadcasters spin, I said, "Okay, what happened? What racial? Uh, what what racial did he say? What what homophobic? Who did he piss off? What did he say?" And then when I tune in, I'm like, "What?" And it's not, and you know, it's not even really being that critical. But this came down from what I've heard and what I heard when it all developed. This came down from ownership. Like, it's almost like the owner wanted to suspend him. But anyway, the reason why I'm finally bringing it up today on a Friday is because Al Michaels has kind of ran to his defense and say, hey, you know, the bozo whoever suspended him is the one that should be suspended. But it's it's been a lot of backlash. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you have to go look at the clip. I mean, the guy didn't say anything. I mean, really, you know, I've seen guys that are hired or employed by a particular team, a professional team that they do color commentary for, the reporter, and I've heard guys go hard in teams that they're even employed by and they don't really get fired or get suspended. You know, especially as long as you don't cross over the line. But this is, you know, I've heard of play-by-play, you know, guys that critique a particular player and think they crossed the line. I remember Joey Votto went through something with their play-by-play a few years back. But I've never heard of a guy pregame, which is not even being that critical. All he did say, hey, this is a position that they've struggled against the Jays over the years. And somebody had the red ass, the owner, and decided to suspend them. What do you have? Um, from Michael McDan- or Mike McDaniel over at SportsIllustrated.com, uh, Kevin Brown is set to return to the booth tonight. Um, he's released a statement uh, ahead of his return saying, O's fans, I'm a storyteller and never want to be a part of the story. The most compelling story in baseball right now is the story of the league-leading Baltimore-, Baltimore Orioles, the best, most exciting young team in the American League. Unfortunately, recent media reports have mischaracterized my relationship with my adopted hometown Orioles. The fact is I have a wonderful relationship with the organization. Uh, I ask that everyone uh, disregard the distracting noise of the past few days. Uh, Go O's. There's a little bit of truncated version there for you. Uh, well, I mean, he handled. He took the everybody. high. He took the high road. I mean, I mean, he's going to get a lot. He needs to get a standing ovation. Uh, but he's going to. He's going to get a lot of sympathy. He, t- he did it right. He handled it right because it's stupid. It was just dumb. I mean, why would you? I mean, and everything's going right for the Orioles. You know, when the Orioles play, I'm no seam head, but I'm good. I, I know enough to know when the Orioles are playing good baseball. Cannon Yards, that place, that ballpark is rocking. Especially if you get in the postseason. Sea of orange, everything. Why would the owner or whoever put this down? Why would they want to take away from that? And Willie, this is a young team, too. I keep saying that. To go and just do something just stupid, just a selfish move. But anyway, so we've got that. Um, also, um, boxing news. Is there anything? I know I usually sometimes on Friday ask Jonas what's happening in the fight world, whether it be UFC or boxing. Um, I don't know if there's anything a note, but I know Floyd Mayweather – uh, has taken in like almost like a dozen families that he's trying to help out with the tragedy that's happened over in Hawaii. Uh, you know, he's kind of taking them in. I don't know the details, but I wanted to make sure that I brought it up um, and gave it just due because a lot of things Floyd does that does make the news, especially, you know, post-boxing career. 
um, unless he's agreeing to fight some exhibition, is not always positive news. And I know Floyd, you know, the perception that he gives and what he carries across social media in regards to where he's always been the one to flaunt his wealth, the things he's got, where he's going, where he's traveling to. You know, I thought it was good to basically go ahead and shine light too to a guy like, hey, man, he's really got an open heart. So, you know, it's tragedy of what happened to those people in Hawaii. I mean, there's still a search and rescue efforts going on. It's just a sad situation. We touched on it yesterday. So props to Floyd Mayweather, you know, stepping up there. I know he's a guy that's, you know, there's no in-between with Floyd. Either you hate him or you love him. But I think if you're one of his haters, you can even appreciate that, him stepping up and doing that in a time of need. So you've got all that going on. But, again, it is the National Football League is here. We're in routine. This is it, folks. This is routine. I mean, this is football preseason action from here on out on Saturdays, Sundays, and Thursdays. And this is what we wanted. Um, and we're here. We've got a slate of games uh, tonight. Uh, we'll get to, you know, this is the day. Hey, it's here. The Sean and Russ era starts tonight in the desert. And the AK, the big toaster, as Chris Berman used to call it. It starts. And I'm sitting here and I'm gonna and I'm gonna be because everybody's dissecting things, the seven on sevens, how many incomplete passes there were in camp, you know, this and that, how many reps did Stedman get compared to Russ? Who, you know what? I'm gonna be the voice of reason. I'm gonna set realistically what the expectations, what we're looking for, what does matter tonight, and even going forward in preseason and all. So we'll get to them, but let's start with the action last night where the Texans took the field and took on this. Uh, they took on the uh, who they get the, um, the New Patriots. England Patriots. There you go, the Patriots. Those guys, and uh, really the story of that was C.J. Stroud going in. Everybody wanted to know what C.J. Stroud was going to look like. Um, and it was a rocky, a little bit rocky debut, you know, uh, which is expected. I mean, and to me, I think it's no big deal. Uh, you know, first of all, you're looking at the two hardest positions in the National Football League. And I don't care how much Saturday translates to Sunday now, how much of the college game is being implemented in teams' offenses. The reality of it is the two hardest positions to make a transfer from Saturday to Sunday is the quarterback position and the cornerback position. And to me, you know, what I saw last night is I saw a guy that pretty much still, which they all do, you know, I think I think Bryce will go through it. I think that even a physical specimen that Anthony Richardson is, he's going to go through it now that we know he's going to get the start this weekend. They're all going to go through it. And what what he went through last night, is really having to get adjusted to Saturday speed, to Sunday, Monday, and Thursday speed. You know, I think the Patriots, you know, the positive thing I looked at it is like, look, man, um, you know, some of those guys were backups. Most of those guys were backups on the Patriots D-line, and they still got pressure. You know, and that's one of the things that we look at this New England team. One of the things we don't know what it's going to look like under Bill O'Brien offensively. We know it should be better. It can't get any worse than what it did last year for them. They at least got a coordinator. But I think we, what the rumors have been, what the rumblings that people that cover the NFL and been covering camp is just know that, hey, Patriots, their defense is probably going to be solid. It's still going to be solid to give them a chance. So to me, you know, on C.J. Stroud, 
definitely I just think that's what I saw. I thought he adjusted he, – he, you know, struggled with the speed of the game, kind of going through his reads. He was under distress a little bit. He had that pick, uh, but I'm not going to over – I still think he looked like he command the huddle. He's still on some of the passes he were able to get out knowing what he wanted to do. It's preseason one, and I'm not going to overreact, but – you know what? It was just a shaky start. But I think you're going to see a lot of shaky starts from the rookies. Some of them might look a little better than others. But that's not really the stock that I put in in preseason. It's really about philosophy, units, defensive, where they're going. And keep in mind, this is the other thing, too. Nobody shows their cards in preseason. These offenses and defenses are very vanilla. But you can still see the aggression. You can see, for example, when we get back, I want to talk about that Minnesota and Seattle game and tell you what stood out to me. Oh, Drew Locke, huh? Oh, Locke. We'll talk about that as well, too. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here for the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing and spinning the one and twos in this R&B Friday. All right. And today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the newly acquired Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Specs. All right. Keep in mind that when it comes to preseason tailgating, and we know it's preseason football is here, Specs is the number one playmaker in Texas with lower prices on a stadium size selection of everything you need to keep your team spirits high. That is Specs, official sponsor of the Sports Grind and an official partner of the Dallas Cowboys. 877-37-GRIND. 
All right, so let's dive right into it. Let's continue to dive into it. So last night, we already touched on a little bit C.J. Stroud. There'll be brighter days. It's his first start. Let's not overreact. He didn't get that many snaps in. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, the Houston Texans defense, just from an energy standpoint and just a technique standpoint, you can already see D'Amico's, Ryan's hands all over it. So I think the Texans defense is going to be very formable. They've been competitive over the last couple of years anyway. Under Lovey, they were pretty damn good last year defensively. And even their coach the year prior to that, they were pretty competitive. So I think you add a defensive-minded coach in D'Amico Ryans um, and his energy, I think the defensive unit of the Texans is going to be I would say probably would be no shock to for sure see them be a top 10 unit uh, this year. It's just going to depend on where this team goes in regards to what do they get from the offensive production side and what do they get from their rookie quarterback. What do you got? Well, and speaking of that offense, I mean, Davis Mills looked pretty comfortable. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, and and, and the, for the fact that you, you know, for all of last season and you're the Houston Texans, you were looking at a top pick anyway. You were assuming quarterback. Uh, and, and Davis Mills, I mean, if if he can look that well, I think, playing against a lot of twos because it was only two series for Stroud. Mm-hmm. So Mills came in and played against a lot of twos. And I feel like if he can look that way, then it gives you even more hope about what a talent like C.J. Stroud can look like in that offense. Case Keenum did what, he, what he's going to do, and I, and I really feel like, too, you know, when you look at this, the Stroud impact, he's the one that told uh, the, or the front office, Hey, in the third round, hey, go get Tank Dell, hmm. you know, the Houston wide receiver. Right. Go get him. He's special. And he showed out last night. That, that touchdown catch in the end zone uh, where he bobbled it. Bob- I mean, mm-hmm. he should have he caught it on the first impact. Right. Uh, shouldn't have let it get through his hands like that. But and there's a lot to look like, like out of the offense because you look at D'Amico Ryans and you figured, mm-hmm. okay, he's going to add his defensive identity. That's going to be a given. What does the offense look like uh-huh. and I feel like that was even the more the bigger question I had going in yeah and and again it just it, like I said going through the break there's no defense or offensively everything is vanilla nobody's showing you or putting anything on tape scheme wise what they're going to be going it's all about getting prepared for week one but you can just see the imprint on certain teams of how things are handled so I think that was a very energetic group on the defensive side and I think CJ Stroud would be fine and look if he just can't if he doesn't adjust to the speed or they feel comfortable and by week one, I mean, again, Davis Mills, I think is there's no like, again, there's no we need to get and we're almost past that. But I think for a while there's been that scarlet letter A put around quarterbacks coming out of college if you have to sit for a year. If you were a first round pick and you have to sit for a year, we've kind of got away like, oh, what's wrong with you? But regardless, the baddest man on the planet right now at the quarterback position and the guy that was voted number one overall best football player by his peers, we fail to forget he set his whole first year behind Alex Smith. And I think it's turned out okay. You know, and I think the next one that's going to be a nice type of test to that is let's see what Jordan Love looks like. I mean, he is set behind three years of Aaron Rodgers waiting his turn. Okay, so let's see what he's going to look like in his development. So my point is, I just think that, you know, yes, we're quick to judge. We're like, oh, CJ looks shaky. I don't know. And then if something happens where, you know, D'Amico Ryan's and his staff think David Mills gives them the best chance to be successful and compete every Sunday and try to win and make a playoff, then you just start David Mills until CJ Stroud shows you in practice or he shows you that it's time and he's ready to go. 
So I think it's just preseason one, but I will tell you that if there's not some bright spots or he'll, as we go, like in that third game, I'm pretty sure he's going to get more series and more, you know, more opportunities, more snaps. But if it just looks like he can't adjust to the speed of the game and reading defenses, he's more worried about reacting and thinking and going through his progressions. David Mills is not a bad fallback plan on where you're at as an organization. 877-37-GRIND. All right. So the nightcap gave us Minnesota and Seattle. Okay, and um, what I will take from that is that the whole offense, whether it's backups, whether they were, you know, second string quarterback, you know, everybody knows Justin Jefferson did not see any action last night along with their other, you know, number two receiver. But the one thing that stood out on the offense, it looks more comfortable in the second year of Kevin O'Connell's offense. I mean, regardless who out there was running it. it. It it just looks like, okay, we know what Kevin wants to do, so we're gonna march forward. So that looked impressive. Uh of course, uh the man of the hour that's taking over for Delvin Cook, he didn't see the field, you know, either, but um they didn't look like they had that much problem in running the football. On the other side of the ball, on the other team with see now, excuse me, before I go on the other team, let me stick on the other side of the ball with Minnesota. Now, Brian Flores, same thing that I feel with D'Amico Ryans. I saw a defense that had some energy. Uh, I saw some – I like they, they had a couple good stands around the red zone against the Patriots, uh, some of their defense. I, I just see it with Brian Flores. You know they're going to be more physical and they're going to be better coached. So I still think they're missing some pieces defensively. I still think he needs some more playmakers. That's why I am really, really confused on where I see Minnesota this year, especially even in the NFC North. I, I just – don't you know they wouldn't be surprised if they because first of all I think last year in the regular season I think they kind of overachieved I really do their first year I think they got a lot of breaks to go their way I think scheduling kind of had something to do with it so to me they would look like a team even record-wise that might basically take a little step back but that doesn't mean that they're still not going to be vying for a playoff spot or they still can't win the division but I think I mean what they got off to like what six and one last year like an eight and one they were one of the last undefeated teams standing and I remember last year the narrative was like oh this is probably one of the worst six and one teams in NFL history like nobody wanted to really buy in you know because everybody thought like oh they've had a bounce here they've had this and there but the reality of it is just on the defense last night what I saw I'm pretty much you know I don't know if I would put them in a top feel comfortable saying they'll be a top 10 defense like I do the Texans because I think Texans have better talent on defense than Minnesota does just players uh, but I will say they'll be an improved defense that's my opinion on that so you had two of the games that got things going on the Seattle side look you know Drew Locke got the nod um, he gave us some of what we're accustomed to if you follow Drew Locke's career. I mean, some of these were, you know, a little bit happy feet early. He threw a pick. Uh, he fumbled, but they recovered. So I was like, yeah, that's a Drew I know. But then, you know, he settled down. He went through some reads. Uh, he was able to toss. I think he tossed, what, two touchdowns? Um you know, very efficient kind of numbers. He looked like he was more comfortable as things went on with the, you know, standing in the pocket, making plays. Um, And I think, honestly, you know, Drew, I think Drew is to that point where he's in that realm that backup is really what I see him being. You know, like if Geno, because the question is, the million-dollar question with Seattle is like, I'm going to love their secondary. I think defensively, you know, a lot of their starters didn't play, but you still see that energy on the defensive side. But honestly, you know, 
there's a possibility that the real Geno Smith could show up too. The one that we didn't see that had all the pressure in the world, that had really no pressure last year because you were replacing Russ and it was like, hey, man, this was supposed to be one of those, like, look, we're going to take these draft picks from Denver. We're going to restock, we reload. And all of a sudden, Geno said, well, I'm just going to go in and play. Y'all don't think I play anyway. Well, let me tell you what the difference is. In the offseason, Geno went into a different tax bracket and they paid him. And even though I don't know if he's the future future of the Seattle Seahawks, is he really the guy that's supposed to replace Russell Wilson? I don't know. But I know with that payday, and people are expecting now of Seattle, let's see how he responds. Now, he, was no, he wasn't on the field last night, but I think with Seattle, um, look, I still think it's going to be they can challenge the 49ers, but I think reality, the 49ers is still kind of their division to lose. To a certain extent, I think it's going to be more competitive as of late. And I definitely think Seattle is in the mix to challenge. But I think last night, the really thing I just take away from is really, you know, Drew Locke selling down, being poised. And I think if something happens to Geno Smith injury wise or he doesn't play well, you know, Locke is going to play himself at that number two and see how it plays. But for the most part, I just think Locke is going to be um, a backup. You know, especially if he never gets his opportunity to start in Seattle, whether that be by injury to Geno or just be by bad play to Geno. That's my opinion. 877-37-GRIND. All right, so we've got a slew of games this weekend. Uh, we can just go by briefly and touch on them. I know um, the main one tonight, I mean, is going to be, if you look at, you know, all eyes, if you look at these preseason games this weekend, I feel, and this is nothing in the, I mean, I would say this regardless, but I think the two most intriguing things that teams are looking at this weekend, or I should say media fans are looking forward to that cover the game, is Anthony Richardson with the Colts because the unknown of what, you know, his ability and the combine numbers he put up. And if you have, if Josh Allen and Cam Newton made a kid together, this is who he would be. He's probably this weekend, especially for the rookie quarterbacks, but this weekend, just intriguing. That's that that's number one. And I think a one B is the debut for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And due to the fact, and I think it's even heightened based off of Sean's comments in USA Today in regards to the article about the really, you know, being critical of the last regime, it has bought it has brought a little bit more, you know, eyeballs, I think, to the team this year. And then due to the fact of Russ, because what did I say last yesterday on the show? America in this country, we love train wrecks and we like to drive slow by car necks, car wrecks and rubberneck. And Russell Wilson's transition from Seattle to Denver last year was a train wreck. And now people are still going to roll by to see, oh, do we see it? Was it him or heck, it's really that bad? Well, it started. It starts tonight in the toaster at nine o'clock Central Standard Time. That would probably I, mean, I got to get good on my mountain time. I mean, I've always covered this team down there, but I've never been educated to ingrain my mind in mountain time. So mountain time, we would be eight o'clock. Right, Mr. Clark? Nine o'clock Central Standard Time kickoff, eight o'clock Mountain Time? Correct. There we go. It's coming along to me. It'll get there. So the era starts tonight. Now, let me tell you the reality. 
the reality is Sean has already told us what he's looking for tonight is guys to go play. He ain't scheming. He ain't doing crossing routes because he doesn't want guys thinking. He just wants to see guys play so he can evaluate. He wants to see the offense get in and get out of the huddle. I think also he's looking forward to see because keep in mind there. I've always said this play calling is a art. Just because you have a title of offensive coordinator or play caller next to your name in the National Football League doesn't make you equal to everybody else. And Sean Payton is one of the best play callers that in NFL history. But with that, his system is very complex. It's a timing type of system, even though I think this is going to be tweaked a little bit. I don't think it's going to be the exact same offense Drew Brees ran. I really don't. But timing is very important. And what also is important is communication from Motorola headset. Or I think it's boys now. Whatever they used from that headset into Russell's headset. That's going to take time. Now, are they going to need a home crowd of 60,000 and mile high? Basically counting down the play clock? No, I don't think that they'll have to deal with worry about that this year. But my point is. He's already said Russ is going to play about 15, 16 snaps. What I feel like needs to have, what I would like to see, get in the red zone. Get in the red zone. If you can get a touchdown within 15 snaps, good. But see if you can get in the red zone. See if we can get some field goal practice. Because I already know this is not – you're not going to – Sean, just like any other coach, is not going to lay out – their exactly offensive plan of what they're going to do or how they're actually going to, you know, use Russ. So I think tonight is that is one. And number two, what I would be looking for as well, whether they're first team, second team, or third team, I'm going to be looking for how many times does the whistle blows, especially on the offensive side, for penalties. That is one thing I know that he has hit home early on in camp. And I think also that is very important because this team, this 22 Broncos team last year, one of the worst penalized Broncos teams in franchise history that I can remember. I've been following that team and that franchise since 83, and I can never remember a year that they were that awful penalties. And it even happens sometimes on the defense and some unnecessary frustration penalties. And I've sat through Bill Romanowski. Okay. I've sat through some, you know, even as violent as Steve Atwater play. I've never seen a team have that many dumbass penalties in one season as this Denver Bronco team did last year. So also what I'm looking for is this what Sean Payton's been preaching is, hey, let's clean up the penalties. They finished – I mean, they were – Dead, they were the most penalized team in the NFL last year. That, and I will tell you thirdly, I mean, I think the kicking game, special teams has been a problem with Denver for probably since the Super Bowl. They have been booty juice for the most part on special teams. I know... I mean, I know Sean spoke about that early on in his search and hire and his coaching when he's putting this staff together. So, yes, I want and, – and, again, for the record, I, one of the best things that happened to me this offseason was seeing Brandon McManus finally be off the squad. I thought he was living off reputation. He became a front runner. If Denver was up, he could kick a 50, 60-yard field goal. If the game was within three to seven points, 
35, 40 yards out. It was wide right, hitting the post or whatever. I'm glad he's gone. It helped with cap situation, but I also want to see the kicker that replaced how a special team's going to go. And again, the other person that has, I believe, some pressure that no one's talking about on that particular team, everything is focused on Russ. Everything's focused on Sean. He said this about the coaches, so it has to be them. And that's the other coach, the afterthought, Vance Joseph. I think Vance Joseph on the cool has a lot of pressure on him. It's not just because of what went down with him as a head coach when he had his time and Denver was let go. He's taking over a defense that has pretty much been consistent. I mean, Denver has had one of the most consistent defenses in the last five or six years the offense has been you know just awful just awful but the defense has been steady and last year they were easy at top five defense even with all those injuries and even after with the ineptitude terrible offense that was a good defense can Vance get it going I'm hearing they're getting a lot of pressure I'm hearing that pretty much maybe this linebacking core in the Russian pass Russian ain't as not as deep as we thought it's deeper than what we thought it would be going in with the Denver Broncos this year and they're getting a lot of pressure that's why a lot of this talk about McGlitchy you know basically kind of being uh you know he's out two weeks of sprain and when he was there he was having a hard time with Gregory and the other lines and they got some, I mean, this might be one of the most elite pass rushers uh, teams in tandem in the league. We have to see. You know, we just have to see how it goes. But we'll see. It's pressure on Vance Joseph, though. Okay? That's been a top five, top ten defense probably for the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. And they came off one of the historic best defenses of all time in NFL history. There's some pressure on Vance. There's some pressure on that brother. I'll put it on him. And I like Vance. He's a good guy. How can you not like him? But don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And don't wreck the Ferrari. And for the most part, you've got probably one of the top two safeties in the game. I'm looking to see how this D, if it, if it, I'm seeing to see if this defense keeps its aggressions and keep going. So it's a lot to see, but then make no mistake about it, the Sean and Russ era gets started tonight. When we get back, we'll look at some other matchups. Cowboys, I've got a question for Cowboy Nation in regards to the Zach Martin situation. I definitely want to talk about that when we get back. You listen to the Sports Crime. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing the one and twos in this R&B Friday. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, 
Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you. Cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here.